Welcome to the Power Play Podcast, where international cricketer Kyron Powell and marketing genius Jordan Shannon join forces, bringing you captivating conversations with the biggest players in cricket and business. Join us as we dive into the lives of current stars in the cricketing world, the legends before them, and those extraordinary icons whose performances changed the game in both cricket and business. Exploring journeys both on and off the pitch, the boardroom, and everything in between. Get ready for an exhilarating blend of cricket, life, and business insights with two insatiably passionate, infuriatingly no-holds-barred hosts who, unfortunately for the rest of us, live and breathe this stuff for a living. Everybody, welcome to episode five of the Power Play podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined today by my co-host, Kyron Powell, and it's a very, very special episode today. as our first one with some very special guests. I'd like to um, introduce you guys to Vaibhav Mehta and Venkatesh Shridhar. Um, and how are you both? Good, thank you. Thank you for having us, guys. Cool. Um, Vaibhav and Venkatesh bring over a decade of experience in the intricate world of cricket franchise uh, management and strategy. They have a rich history of shaping the business side of franchise cricket. Their expertise extends across continents, having worked in the cricket in the USA, the Middle East and the Caribbean over the past 10 years including being part of the founding team that conceptualised the ILT20, for which they now jointly head strategy and planning. As as co-CEOs of the Patriots, they oversee all strategy and operations for the St. Kitts and Nevis Patriots. So that's a bit of an introduction into into the guys joining us today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Um... I think I think I'll I'll jump right in and say um obviously yeah. I know Venki and Voibov obviously from yeah. from playing with the Patriots um obviously um we've gone on to become good friends especially Venki and I um Emma and I obviously are residents out in Dubai so I mean we always sort of cross paths with Venki when we're either leaving and he's coming or he's coming and we're leaving <laughs> um, but um, hopefully we can get it right soon. <laughs> we'll all be yeah, the weather is getting better. Maybe we meet up for shisha outside. <laughs> yeah, we definitely um, we're looking to be back there once my tournament here finishes. Um, it's terribly hot out here in the Caribbean at the moment. It's like thirty eight degrees in Trinidad, which is very un unusual for anywhere in the Caribbean. To be fair, so I think there was also the hurricane. Uh, last week, or the thunder, you know, the tropical storm that was passing through, that created. I saw the games yeah. were well shut down. Yeah, so there's... actually, I can teach you about this now, uh, Karen, because it's like only thirty degrees in Dubai. The weather has become <laughs> really, really better. So <laughs> there we go. Who yeah, yeah. has got better um, weather than than the Caribbean? <laughs> but guys, if we can jump, um, sort of into into the pod um obviously you know yeah. pleasure having you on um i think if we, we could start sort of with your your background in cricket like what what's your cricket in history what got you guys interested in cricket from a young age you know who were your idols what were your i mean aspirations as as cricket lovers and cricket fans growing up cool VM, you want to go first yeah sure um so I've played cricket um, professionally back home in India. 
um, for my school, for my college, for my club. And um, I've always had this thing, you know, means growing up, it's it's a dream for every every child, you know, to represent their country. And that's something that I always wanted to do, but I somehow fell short. Best <laughs> <laughs> thing, knowing that, you know, the talent was not there, was to switch and, and see if there were any opportunities in, in the management side. But, you know, growing up, um, cricket, because it's such a... Um, close circuit uh, environment, the opportunities were never there. So, you know, I moved away and did something on my own. And when, you know, the the the, the opportunity came knocking on the door for US cricket, you know, me and Venki were together and we jumped right in. And that's where our cricketing journey started from on the, the management side of it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, so I was not I was not a player. Uh, I was not a cricketer. I mean, I used to play a bit, but not really at the professional level. I was more onto the badminton side of things. Uh, but always, I mean, as any Indian kid growing up, especially in the nineties, uh, you know, obviously Sachin Tendulkar was was one of the idols. Particularly because I'm from Bombay, so yeah. you know, if you are from Bombay and you were in born in the nineties, I mean, obviously you look. At Sachin Tendulkar and you go with it. And then, you know, of course, Raul Dravid and stuff like that. And, you know, but I went in a completely different direction. Uh, after finishing, uh, you know, my MBA, I joined, uh, you know, what people typically expect the Indian guy to do, join the IT firm. But I was not a coder. I was more on the business side of things. And, um, you know, then went on to like work for Apple in Qatar. I was, I was the country manager and then I was with SAP for a while in Qatar. And that's when, you know, me and VM used to uh, meet over uh, FIFA sessions, uh, in, <laughs> you know, one of our friends' places. And we always used to talk about, you know, like how the IPL was changing the business of cricket, right? Yeah. So me and VM used to have a lot of conversations about the business side of things where we particularly felt that people were not looking at it from, a, looking at it as a business. They were all looking at it, oh, you know, it's it's cricket and it's fun, etc., etc. And we, we foresaw and we still predict that over the next decade or so, cricket will become a more like a football model, which will be franchise driven and stuff like that. And that's when, like VM said, we got the opportunity to work in US cricket. And we said, we are not going to get another chance. So we went in that direction. And also, uh, me and Weber have always been about wanting to create new things, you know. Like rather than go into something established and do that. And so that was also another thing that really clicked. And then that took us to CPL, which then took us to ILT20 in Dubai. So it's been an interesting journey. 10 years now. So yeah. it's been fun. And every day is different. So it's quite good. So guys, can I ask, how has your, your business background helped in terms of obviously structuring what cricket is currently and what it is becoming in terms of a franchise model because obviously as you said and i definitely agree cricket lacks um that business side of of it where i mean the the business administrators in cricket especially in the caribbean for example um have a lot of loopholes where i mean things could be a lot better a lot more proficient um so how how do you think that your business backgrounds has helped in terms of sort of shaping the, the franchise T20 world that is what it is at the moment? Um, I would say it is it has helped a lot. So for me, 
I was heading a company that was expanding into five different countries: India, um, UAE, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Um, it was completely different, but you know, I brought on a lot of experience from 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 that industry. And when I say this, is you know, you work with um, uh, different people from different backgrounds, and you only work with them for for you know maybe. um like you fa- you meet face to face maybe once a month or twice a month and the reason why i say this is because cricket is not football you know the franchise cricketing model you have to understand that you're getting into the players world and not the other way around so yeah. when i say this is a player when he joins a manchester united or a chelsea or a city they leave everything behind and they join the club and they have to align everything according to that club yeah but when you look at cricket uh the players are friends and they play for different clubs you know when yeah. you say for cpl say ipl when you look at the management side you have to integrate yourself with the players and it's not the other way around and that understanding of the human side has helped me and mengi a lot um in senkets um in us cricket in ilt20 you know whenever we were discussing things with the players or people on the management side um and and that's where the biggest challenges come in cricket most of the people don't understand um uh, you know that cricket has become a serious business now it's not family business anymore yeah you have to give time space there should be professionalism if you need success on on the pitch yeah yeah G- G- and, think- and if you look at it from a financial perspective right like you know we saw business basically is very simple if you break it down to its component which is basically revenues and expenses so we focused on what could be the revenue sources that are being missed by a lot of a lot of teams a lot of times what would happen is uh because like Karen mentioned a lot of people investing in cricket and have come directly from a playing career perspective into administration so what that does is you really do not un- have not been in a situation where you have had to negotiate hard right so where we have come from we need to negotiate for everything right so and we that is the way of life because you you're negotiated on every single sales contract etc etc so then you start to talk about value like we have mentioned you know what is the value for a player to come and join a patriots team right now if you look at the patriots we are not an ipl franchise there are three other teams which are ipl franchises and they can attract people at a far lower value than us so it actually was far more interesting for us to design the whole thing around the players where we said hey you know our if i'm going to go to a sponsor they would they would like me they would like to partner with me if i'm a winning team yeah. if i'm not a winning team it's far more difficult to sell uh you know if i am not performing well on the ground so who is the one that's performing on the ground that is the players Yeah. So I think uh, very very quickly we understood that perspective, and I I think I think that came because we had an understanding of business that we we clearly identified like that was the most important component of our whole thing, and then we have always focused on trying to do deals that reduce our cost, try to be more cost efficient, things like that. So actually that helped. Mm. Perfect. Now, Jordan, I think you were just asking a question there. Yeah, I'm sort of trying to link it to you mentioned before about obviously from a footballing aspect to, for that for the growth. Do you believe that over time um people will become fans of 
a franchise like you're saying about the Patriots as a whole would you think that's all that's the way to to get the growth worldwide from a franchise perspective so Sorry, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, regardless of, of, of the country, the, the, the tournament's being played in, that that person will then support a specific uh, franchise group to then, you know, to grow their, their support as such. I would say, I would say it's, it's, it's possible. Um, we've, we've always seen that model click in places like India, Pakistan, right. even UK. Um, right. It's been happening for years. But the problem is, as a fan, um, right now, if I'm a Chelsea United or Liverpool fan, it doesn't matter if, you know, Mo Salah or Ronaldo plays for United or Liverpool anymore. If they move on, I stick with the club. I don't move on with the yeah. player. Yeah. The percentage yeah. of fans moving on with the player is very small. Yeah. Uh, but in cricket, um, the best example I would give is Dhoni. When, he, when Chennai was not there, and he moved on to a different franchise uh, yeah. um, in IPL. The entire fan base of that franchise moved to to support that new franchise. And it's yeah. the same thing. If if you have like a Malinga or a Pollard moving from franchise A to B to C, you'll have the fans move with, with them. Yeah. So right now, it is pretty player-driven, uh, right. the entire model. Uh, it will take time and, and I would like this opportunity to, to, you know, mention, you know, CPL and, and Kyron will, will, will know this better. You know, in CPL, I think we were, um, you know, one of the very few franchises that could identify. And, you know, when we sat down with our, with our coaches, we said, look, this is not a city based league. You know, we just have to understand that however small or big the countries are, you know, these are specific countries. The rivalries are as big as, you know, Brazil, Argentina, India, Pakistan. The understanding of that is required and it needs to be instilled in the player coming into the franchise from outside of the Caribbean. Yeah. And, you know, making sure they feel St. Kittishan enough or St. Lucian enough or Bajan enough, you know, so yeah. that, the, that, that the fans, you know, are always behind you. And the reason why I say this is because the passion for cricket in these small islands sometimes is is more than your you know top three top four countries if you see yeah and it's crazy it's crazy yeah yeah oh, so can, can you tell me about your happening. go ahead go ahead uh like if you look at what's happening with i'll take this specific case of mi right mumbai indians if you now look at them, they have a franchise in almost every league, right? IPL, ILT20, the SA20, yeah. the Major League Cricket in the US, right? And if you see, they're starting to build a player pool that is taking them across the across the franchise, right? Trent Bolt being a perfect example of someone who actually made the, you know, ICC even sit up and take notice, oh, this could be a possibility, and I think it's primarily because of the way cricket is structured. Cricket is not a nine-month season, right? So, you know, like if you are, if you're a fan of Kyron Pollard, right? Now, if I have to see him play in these uh, tournaments, I have to follow MI team, which is there within that particular tournament, right? And I think that's where the model will move to eventually. Yeah. With a lot of IPL franchises actually owning franchises across, right? Uh, for example, another example I could take, which is far more closer home to Caribbean is TKR, right? 
So, you know, you have Andrew Russell, Sunil Narayan in KKR, TKR, Abu Dhabi Knight Riders, right? Every single franchise, even in LAKR. So, even as they have gone, they have taken these important players and they have moved them across their... Across the, so, if I am a fan of Sunil Narayan or a fan of Andrew Russell, I will now be a Knight Riders fan. Yeah. Regardless of which country they are playing in. And I see that over a 10-year period, that's where eventually things will move to. Yeah. Um, Go so just just on the back of that now, can you tell me about I guess your work in the US um, and particularly how that came about? Because for me, the way that I look at it is that America is obviously a very untapped market in terms of cricket. Um, not only from obviously the expansion of the game, but the types of money that they could bring into cricket. Um, the different technologies, training methodologies, all these things that they can bring into cricket. Obviously, broadcasting, nobody does it better than them on a global stage when you look at what, I mean, they have Hollywood and Silicon Valley all in the same place. Yeah. Um, and obviously, with cricket being readmitted into the LA Olympics, um, what that can do for the game on a global stage, because obviously cricket is the second largest sport in the world, but it is pretty much unknown to most of of the global population. So I think something like being readmitted into the Olympics in America um, and the way that they do sports franchising and what you just said as well, Venki, in terms of cricket not being a nine-month thing, but now having teams have players across the different leagues do you see it as a situation where leagues will become longer and players may be contracted to play for a franchise but only play in two or three leagues? As you see, the IPL has now become a three-month season as opposed to a six-week season. You know, So leagues are stretching longer and longer and there are more leagues across the world. And obviously the countries with the more cash will have the opportunity to sort of stretch those leagues longer with like American like basketball being a seven-month season, um, MLB being a, a six, seven-month season, you know, things like that. I don't think IPL would probably become a, a, a longer tournament because if you look at it, I look at IPL as like the NFL of cricket. NFL is a four-month, uh, four, roughly four months long, right? If you take the postseason off. So they do what September to February. That's September, October, November, December. February is about six months. I don't think they'll go beyond that because also that would mean that they are killing into their biggest cash cow, which is bilateral series. Because India is a country that still makes money on bilaterals. So it might go down to to a place where bilaterals between certain countries will still continue to be played. Uh, like you said, maybe the rich boards will afford it. But if you look at a a way that cricket should be looked at. I think the opportunities for players has now expanded dramatically, right? And I don't think the players should be penalized, right? The players should be given opportunities to play because not many people actually realize or appreciate this is that the player has a very limited window of earning period in his life, right? A professional cricketer, Sachin Tendulkar is an exception, but a professional cricketer roughly has, if he's lucky, has 15 years to earn at the highest level. And in, and in that uh, period, the first five years, he's basically earning pittance and then, you know, it goes up and then comes down. So, you ha- uh, people should not say that, oh, they're earning that much, but the fact is they're not going to earn after that, post that. It's very difficult. Uh, 
and I look at LA Olympics as a massive advantage for US cricket, provided if USA then gets an admit into the Olympics, because I read somewhere it's going to be a 16 tournament. I don't know if they will give US a spot because they're a host. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know the details of that. So we'll have to wait for that. But uh, the interesting bit about US cricket was that when we got involved, we just got the opportunity through a mutual friend and we were able to uh, you know, like come up with ideas that they like. Uh, but I like to tell people one important thing about US cricket is, yes, there is money to be made, but it is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's yeah. a get-rich-slow scheme. You have to wait a long period of time. And this is coming from two people who have actually burned their own money in a lot of gas money, a lot of travel. And I, I still remember one one trip that me and VM were on and I fell asleep in the car and VM was driving and I woke up and suddenly we were at a gas station and even VM was sleeping. So it was like one of those crazy things. <laughs> and I let VM talk about that. You know, it was fun. It was fun you know, we have done a lot of things like that. So VM, over no, I think, um, see, a um, lot of people from outside think US cricket because of the US sports structure, uh, you know, cricket has a huge, huge advantage. Um, but if you if you really go to see, it's not that 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 easy because um, the, the the number of fans that you're targeting is only three million people, approx. You know yeah. that are actual cricket fans, and you always have to think about when you're pushing cricket in US is that those fans are also um, you know making sure that they are they are adjusting to the new system as Indians or or, or people from outside of US. You know, you're becoming a fan of an NFL team or an NBA team so that when they go to office on Monday, you know, they can have something to talk about with others yeah. uh, and something to talk about within their community about their sport. So there is a balance there. Um, I have seen, me and Venki have seen a lot of things about US cricket where people just want to come in and make huge tons of money by just targeting them and saying, hey, spend $2,000, $3,000, which is not going to happen. You have to build it from from the grassroots level. The moment you have um, a local American guy, you know, come into the system, represent USA, that becomes you know four players, six players, and five players. When you have very few um, uh, Indian or Pakistani or a West Indian playing for US and representing US, that's when the entire structure of US cricket is going to change. LA Olympics is going to help cricket a lot in US because of the funding and stuff like that that people talk about. But eventually, it's something that comes every four years. Your grassroots needs to be absolutely spot on, where you have kids you know, coming in from schools, college, and then representing US. So yeah. like you said, means we've spent a lot of time in US to understand that cricket is the original American sport. It was kicked out of US. Because yeah. people said it's not the American sport, but cricket is the OG yeah. American sport. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. True. True. Can you can you tell us a bit more about your 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 time with the Patriots? Then, obviously, um, myself being from um, I think it's a Nevis. Um, what's your experience been? Obviously, not just with the Patriots, but um, with CPL on a whole. I mean, what what's that been like for you guys? Um, I would say Sankit is. I always say this, uh, when I, whenever I go to um, Sinkits, me and Venki, we always say this, you know, it's our second home. Uh, no joke. 
um the love that we get on the island you know i will never ever forget you know after uh, we won the cup uh, people were on the road dancing with the flags people you know stopping out those mini buses you know when we were going to the hotel and i still get messages from from the fans when we play bad um and and they send and i don't know from where they got my number and stuff like that they keep keep messaging <laughs> and, and they say you know this is what you have to do make these changes and stuff like that you know i don't feel bad i love it because when i initially said you know the passion in the fan is not for a player it's for their team and that's what uh drives us and we have this policy you know me and venki um we never go to the dressing room it's when the coaches or the captains call us uh you know we kind of go but the dressing room we feel is something where you know it's like a sacred place place for the players the coaches it's it's your environment your stuff you know for us we've gotten you guys on board and it's it's your job to perform that's how we kind of you know try to do things initial when we stepped in it was a struggle because you know the transition was happening during covid you know things were over the phone zoom calls and stuff yeah. like that human interaction was very less but the moment you know we stepped in you know we we went in after covid and we were like look we the, the biggest goal is to win that cup as as a nation we've never gotten a chance we've have these huge cricketing nations with huge history what's the best way to lift the cup when it's happening in st kitts and nevis you know and 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 say you know we are the champions of of the caribbean when you have the powerhouses in guyana trinidad barbados all playing and i think somewhere down the line um our you know players also understood that it clicked everything fell into place and by god's grace you know we brought the cup home yeah that was that was a fantastic season 2021 we were all in yeah. lockdown we all, all spent a lot of time inside the marriott and uh, you know i think it it allowed a lot more uh, spending time because uh, subsequent years you know i, I have rarely seen players uh, they they run off to they run off to uh, you know the strip and they have fun there in cricket and stuff like that so but 2021 was far more fun and we had we had a good time and i think uh, Uh, one of the guys that i really really admire for the way uh, you know he assimilated into the st kitts and nevis culture was paul van mickeren right i mean uh, especially i remember uh, you know we were having a party after we won and the guy leading the chant of uh, you know unstoppable force and knowing every single word in the of the lyrics of the song was paul van mickeren and he was leading it you know singing it on on i have it somewhere in my phone so it's like one of the one of the most amazing videos and like vm said you know we get messages when they are happy and we get a lot more messages when they are unhappy <laughs> and this year we had a very 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 bad season so i still remember we were walking uh, you know like uh, for the post match ceremony i was just walking through the crowd and i copped a lot of views Uh, because the the people did not like the way we were playing and we and honest uh, honestly i think we didn't play well so that was uh, you know maybe misdirected abuse but yeah you know like i passed down the message to the guys <laughs> this was this was the people were thinking so interesting story from our 2021 season you know um I, like i said i mean that year everybody 
knew their role, the love that the fans were giving us, the players were together, like, you know, Smiley, we call Paul, um, his dressing room name is Smiley, he's always, um, you know, he, he's a good character to have Smiley. in the dressing room. Yeah, he's always smiling, he has his good taste in music and, you know, two things, when, um, you know, the fans were going and we used to be in that, you know, um, uh, box just about the dugout, and the fans used to go about this song and we were always wondering, me and Venki, what the song is this? You know, what the hell is this song? <laughs> Everybody is going crazy. We don't know what this song is about. And the other day there was a party in Marriott and, you know, it, the players and us, you know, we were just standing and this song came on and Smiley went off. And we called him, he's like, bro, how do you know the song? He's like, you don't know the song? I was like, no. Like, you know, this is Unstoppable Force, this is a song of the football team and stuff like that. I said, look, this is our song now, you know, we dance to this tune. And yeah. and, and, we, and thing was, yeah, we have gone, finish it. I just remember another thing. Won, won the cup, uh, you know, everybody was partying and everybody was, you know, got hold of the coach, Simon, and we were like, okay, what's happening? So they had this small pact, you know, if we lift the cup, he has to shave his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still have that video on my Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and and the interesting thing about Smiley was the reason why you know I which uh, Smiley told us later was the reason why Unstoppable Force was being played a lot many times was uh, basically uh, you know like um, Smiley had actually got hold of the DJ and he said that whenever he's coming to bowl, he needs the unstoppable force to be played. <laughs> right. And whenever he was feeling down, he used to go and feel on that side and ask him to play the song so that just to get him pepped up. <laughs> so like in any other match, you would never hear unstoppable force, but you would only hear it during the pitches game. So Smiley was amazing, man. Amazing. It was, it was a fantastic season. No, that's that's amazing, guys. Um, so, is it is it sort of your experiences with, I guess, USA cricket and sort of CPL Patriots that sort of led you to the the brainchild of what we know now as ILT Twenty? Um, how did how did that come about? So, um, again, it's it's through a mutual friend that that you know we ended up in a in a room um, with the with the chairman, and uh, you know we we were we were kind of having this discussion and a league before I did only there's a league that flopped and it didn't do well and we were like look there are a lot of things um, that we need to look at um, to, to to make cricket uh, something that is acceptable because of the experience that we have from US so it's like a pseudo market right UAE it has you cricket fans it's not like US where you know majority of the fans are not cricket fans but it has never clicked as a, a franchise model, franchise model has never clicked in UAE. And the reason being is, you know, you you don't have, you know, um, uh, people coming from outside getting passports and so that. They're always Indians and Pakistanis or French or British or Aussies, you know. And to sell cricket to them, we, we thought we have to do something different. And that's where, you know, when we sat down and said like, you know, why not try and bring the North American side of the sports uh, world into cricket, you know, we have the normal stuff where people copy the big big boys in IPL and do the purple cap and the orange cap and stuff like that. Let's talk about the belts, you know, it's something that people have never seen in cricket. Let's talk about rings and pendants. If you see the ILD 20 season one, 
it's like a pendant that's been derived from a ring that's like an nba ring we wanted to do the ring but we we don't have the time to measure you know the size and stuff like that so the simplest thing was to do pendants we give out bracelets to the owners you know like world poker tour yeah. if you see the trophy again the trophy has a story it's called the incomplete sto- uh, incomplete trophy and there is a reason i'm sure venki will will take you through that but again these were the ideas that kind of you know started clicking we started put you know started you know designing the business model the financial model you know everything from top to bottom and that's where you know it kept on rolling 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 and here we are in season 2 right now yeah what did it take to to so like wow. we actually had a yeah we actually had a fantastic time like the uh, webber mentioned about you know putting together a business plan but we because we were there from like i would say uh you know the day before day 0 right <laughs> and uh you know conceptualizing the whole thing and we came up with ideas and we actually had a blank canvas uh, you know thanks to uh, the team here led by mubashir and uh, subhanna he actually they actually would like regardless of the of the things that me and vm would throw at them they would just go like oh that's a good idea let's do it you know <clears throat> like in any other place i think we would have got a lot more pushback here we didn't like you know webber was talking about the incomplete trophy uh you know so the idea came about we said you know like we need to build a story around the trophy the trophy has to mean something and unlike in other cricketing countries we don't have a history right so we had to create history yeah. so the idea became that we had to incorporate the elements of uae into the trophy so the trophy weighs 12.2 kilos which actually comes from 2nd december which is the national day of uae okay right at the top uh, you know if you see there is a ball and next to it there will be seven crowns that represent the seven emirates of the uae right yep. and below that uh, you know the neck of the trophy you would actually see that there is uh, you know the uh, the uh, the telemore which is the uh, which is the desert and below that you see the hand engraving of the of the highest peak in dubai which is you know jebel jais right and then because you know we have covered the greatest desert the tallest mountain obviously we have to cover the tallest building in the world which is burj khalifa which is why you know our trophy is 830 mm whereas the burj khalifa is 830 m so it was a homage to everything about the uae so a, so we put that story within and then in the center uh, we created a space a hollow space for a pendant to be put in but we keep call it the incomplete trophy because there is a secret chamber at the base of the trophy so we wanted to also give some sort of like a recognition to the owner of the team for winning because usually you never see them being felicitated somewhere so we said that the owner walks up opens that secret chamber takes that pendant puts it on the trophy completes it on behalf of the fans Wow. So without the fans it's an incomplete trophy so this pendant uh, recognizes that the fans are an integral part of the trophy and you place it it completes the trophy the the belts right the first time me and vm saw the belt uh, you know so there is actually one of our colleagues and the belt is as tall as him right so it's it's like 5 foot 8 it's really tall and it's really heavy like you wear it it's like really heavy i think the first time and um it was robin utappa who wore it and he goes like this is actually heavy and we were like yeah this is heavy and i mean this is like we went to the same company that did the belts for wwe right nice. 
and then vm spoke about the pendants so obviously even the pendants need to have a story so the pendants weigh 156 grams which is the weight of a cricket ball regulation cricket ball right it has 240 diamonds in it because 240 balls in a t20 game and you know it's in the shape of our design and stuff like that so we like like i said you know we went really crazy with some of the ideas that we came up with and these guys just went along with it so we wanted to think different but also like not just think different for a pers- purpose of being different you know just yeah, not yeah. just be gimmicky but have a real essence behind it and we actually you know now that i'm thinking about all this while telling you guys i just i just realized that we have done a lot more in that one year span and it was actually like from jan 2021 till the first ball was bowled in jan 23 and i still remember me and vm just having a little hug and a high five because it was like culmination of two years of work right yeah. and exactly match you know jan 2021 and 2023 so it was pretty good yeah. i think it was 730 and uh, coincidentally it was the 730th day of us starting work on the project to the first ball being bowled Wow, thirteen yeah. thousand. So it was like, it was like, it was as if it was destined in the stars. So it was amazing. Yeah. Nice. Can I just quickly ask, what did you take from um, your time? Well, to, to your role within the franchises of the Patriots, to then obviously into it with the ILT twenty. I would say um, player experience, right? Uh, making sure, see, cricket will always remain cricket. The sport will never change. what changes from franchisee to franchisee is how you know the league and the the franchisees handle the players right and that's when you know the players will look at that and say okay look i want to come back right. and when we went to ild20 that was the first thing i think on the table when we were looking at the player contracts we were looking at what we were trying to design everything was around the player okay how the player would think would this help the player okay are we giving enough to the player are we adding that experience on top of it yes there is money it's the second richest league right now after ipl you know but are we adding that are we adding that experience for the family you know will the player enjoy this and when we had this discussion with the franchisees the non ipl franchisees okay yeah and we said look this is the most important thing and these are your assets and you have to make sure that you take care of these assets because it's like mouthpiece right you don't have team outside of ilt20 but the players do play for other teams they will speak about your league they'll speak speak about your franchises and you have to make sure that the treatment that you're giving to the players is top notch okay it's as good as what you give in north american sports and we right. wanted to bring that experience that's i would say the biggest thing that we took from from our franchise learnings to the league yeah fantastic yeah yeah because uh, the advantage of ilt20 is there are 12 international players right in a squad of 8 like uh, you know the ilt20 has 12 international players in a squad of 18 right and these are guys who have played literally everywhere in the world so yeah. why would they want to come to the ilt20 and to every player who said oh you know like i am getting more x xyz players or etc i just told them one thing look this is going to go prime time india at the times on that is closer uh you know you're going to be closely watched by the three ipl teams that are within the franchise but also the others that are quite closer and uh you know if you are uh, looking at an opportunity to play in ipl 
here you're guaranteed for a place inside right if you, because nine international players out of 12 there is a higher probability of you being selected to play in the playing 11 because there is no really any fun in being in the squad is it you yeah. need to be in the playing 11 so people can see that you can play people can identify your talent and then people people will be in demand like the amount of offers that dominic drakes has gotten after he hit that 48 winning us the final right has been phenomenal prior to that people were people would not really listen to when me and vm used to say that he's a good all-rounder look at him they were like ah but you know he's young he has not really achieved and some of them are the players who some of them are the guys who were like going after him yeah. right and uh, you know and the team in i think 20 with pick then right coach bandy uh, andy flard they have great things to say about him because he's a professional he wants to win yeah. and stuff like that and the same way if you look at what happened to a uae player like mohammad wasim the captain of uae right because he was which was he became the uae's uh, most valuable player won the belt as well the blue belt and it was like he has now got an opportunities to play in gt20 right he has got an opportunities to play you know in nepal and stuff like that which he, they did not get before because the uae players were not seen as someone capable of you know of playing right and here was somebody who was smacking sheldon cottrell you know then you go like okay you know this guy can play at this level but till you have not seen someone play you know like for example uh, just look at what smiley did against bangladesh right and, and when we were telling people that smiley is a good bowler they were like really and but he plays for if, if you know he plays for only netherlands so what big deal you know but the fact is that he's a good bowler so respect that and i think the more opportunities are given and more chances are given to players like that they will be the ones who will really come up right i only wish that you know he gets uh, nocs from his county sooner i mean they didn't <laughs> let him play for his country so they're not going to let him play for us otherwise you know we'd love to have smiley back <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can I just ask a question? Um, obviously, we talk about um, players having the opportunity to make a lot more money now, um, given that you do get past that that initial five year period of um, hard graft and earning patents. Yeah. Um, but I think what's not spoken about enough, or what I'd, I'd probably like you guys to sort of shed light on, what you'd like to see be done more from players in terms of. Um, life after cricket you know i'm um, fortunately enough for me i'm lucky to have um found the right partner you know obviously a happy wife happy life um, <laughs> that emma brings so much so much balance to my life um we've we've invested well we we've started so many different businesses um mm-hmm. we're launching a beverage company in the gcc in the next few weeks um and so yeah, you know, so in your in your case this smarter wife richer yeah. life in in your case that's true Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean that that should be in the Bible, I think. But um, <laughs> there we go. Um, but what what would you guys like to see in terms of um obviously players not only just earning higher wage bills now, but obviously investing and and ensuring that them, their children, their families um, for generations to come have a better life and better opportunities going forward. Um, I would. I would. i would say the players you know like you're saying they they're making a lot of money right now um every player need to understand that once they hit that 33 34 35 year mark 
their career slowly starts going downhill eventually and it's the sad reality of life and when you are at 40 42 years old which is pretty it's not old you know people say you are old. when when you yeah. talk about sports you know when people say 34 35 years old it's actually not old you're relatively young for life you know but when I, you sit at 40 42 as a player you have to understand that the amount of shoes that you have in 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 your dresser or amount of shirts or suits or whatever it is that you have in your dresser will be worth nothing it's all about making right investments um understanding how money works the more money you invest is the more money you get once you're older it's not the more money you spend the more money you get when you're older and 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 i would say it's, it's also important for the players to understand to have the right kind of managers also because now you know this is what i see you know when people come and talk to us and say look i'm getting 20000 here but i'm getting 30000 there yes 30000 is more money for one season but if you don't perform they might let you go stay with a stable franchise if you're losing $5000 it's okay when your time comes negotiate hard and get more money don't run behind money here and there you might end up with only $30000 instead of $60000 and start planning for your 40s and 50s think like a investor and a guy who's working in a company right who, who plans for his family and start thinking that way invest in right assets you know do your research right and make sure um you you follow what warren buffett always said right you know invest and save money and then spend money not the other way around hold yeah. true for any sport personalities also yeah 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 i would say that uh you know like taking off you know just like what warren buffett said easiest thing to do put your money in an index fund and let it grow don't touch it right that would give you returns but i think players should start understanding one thing is that they have to start looking at themselves as a business right so you have to create a brand for yourself yeah you also have to create a positioning for yourself like what is it what are the value systems that you're talking about uh you know and that would really help like uh you know i feel that cricketers have not become like basketball players i would take the example of shakil o'neil as an example right shakil o'neil is everything that you know kiran just spoke about which is like one is that he's a he he has his own brands which is the easiest thing to do a lot of cricketers have done that but two he's also an investor right he has invested in a lot of companies he's invested in a lot of startups and he goes to a lot of these tech conferences now and he tries to find things that which is which is you know like good for him and things like that etc so he's like you know he he would be someone that is phenomenal for uh you know any any like any sports star to look at right and also if you look at uh you know things that what he did like you know he has gone into like various things that are uh very very uh difficult right like for example uh you know he he went and invested in an edtech startup right now everyone say it was great timing because it just happened prior to like covid and stuff like that but he didn't look at it that way he looked at it as this is a way for people to change people's lives yeah. right so it, you don't need to be like an amazing investor you don't need to be like you know reading researching 
analyzing financial stuff. You just need to be in a place where you understand, hey, this could be something that people might be into, right? This could change people's lives, and that would usually give you success. Uh, because I think what happens is that what players miss the most after retirement is the adrenaline rush that you that you feel when you're playing and people are cheering and and so on and so forth but if you look at it this way business is an amazing game right it gives you the same kind of high right may yeah the audience is very little sometimes it's just you and your you know the people that you work with but it just gives you amazing high you know a lot, lot of wins uh, that you have in business are also amazing uh, fun to have and i think they have to they have to start planning for their 40s when they're in their 20s today because primarily because of the inflation and all of that that is going on but today you know you have the tools so i would say that if you are making say 100000 a year put 10% of that in improving yourself right and by improving yourself i mean like uh you know for people who are coming from the subcontinent maybe their english is not that great you know go learn english how to speak how to communicate so on and so forth all of us could learn how to communicate better uh you know invest in courses about negotiations right invest in and you know there is so much free resources available too so you don't have to always pay but you need to invest your time in learning because everyone's interest may be different like now he uh, karan has found out that he loves dubai he can do business in dubai and it's a fantastic place but maybe someone doesn't want to be in dubai they could find opportunities elsewhere they just need to be open you know the game is changing right just like how cricket has changed so even the game of life has changed yeah yep jordan any further questions from you yeah i just wanted to sort of ask about um what where, where do you see sort of the long term vision for the ilt20 um good question actually um from the beginning it was pretty 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 simple for us we wanted to be uh the biggest league outside of india means okay. let's let's just be honest it's it's difficult to be the biggest league when ipl is there right yeah and um, means whoever says that we can be bigger than ipl right now is not looking in the right direction because of the population of the craze and everything that's there in india and with the economy that's that's there uh, it's difficult so yeah. we always wanted to be you know one of the biggest leagues outside of india and yeah. be the league that give the best player experience out there you know we want the families who come here to be yeah. safe you know the players when they go for training they shouldn't think about their families you know what's happening if they're going out um give them the best experience possible um make them feel as if you know it's the second home right and also make sure um that that the fans and the franchise owners when they come out everything that's not there in IPL is here in ILT20 and the reason why i say this is because when you when you look at most of these leagues you you think what would have happened if you know warner and poly played for one team in IPL and BBL CPL because you only four or five international players in the playing eleven. The chances of that is pretty limited. So we've created that with nine international players. Now the only job that we have to do is you know to build on that. Yeah. Year one, you've achieved. You know, league is launched. But yeah. year two, slowly and steadily build on it. Make sure yeah. the players enjoy it, the fans enjoy it, um, on TV and in the stadium. 
and and the franchise owners enjoy it also so when the passion kind of flows through from top to bottom yeah we would have a winner that's that's the goal i think actually yeah yeah and you know i think the big another biggest a uh, goal like long really long term goal is uh, i would really like the ua team to be filled with people who have performed in the ilt 20 which slowly is happening now yeah but once they are sort of like blooded inside the you know within the ilt 20 they go they perform uh you know because i still remember the the world cup in australia where ua was playing against sri lanka and they came within a within a, a shot of winning but the fact that you know they looked and they like oh you know that's one into asaranga oh you know like they were enamored by the by the people that they were playing against yeah right and i think that fear or that experience of literally playing them here go like oh you know what like i could play i can play one into asaranga it's all right i can handle him something like that and that would really create the difference which is why i really like the fact that the bowlers the uae bowlers did well too right the uae batters did well i think mohammed was seeing was in the top 5 run scorers across right obviously was the highest run scorer uh, amongst the uae guys and the thing was they have now started to realize what is professionalism in cricket they go like oh you know hold on a sec this is like a different level of professionalism yeah. right so for so long they thought that the level that they were at was professional sport and suddenly they've come and realized oh no the ipl teams are somewhere here and I, yeah. i was thinking that this is professionalism right so i think those things will change the face of uae cricket and if uae cricket becomes a force to reckon with i think i'll t20 would have done its job yeah yeah no i, I really yeah cool in terms of if if you used to roll it back what would what advice would you give yourself starting out again from a franchise perspective but also from like a tournament side of things um if if you're looking at at the franchise perspective first of all means i i really feel fortunate means i wouldn't want to go back and change one bit i because i really think that if we as a franchise or we as individuals wouldn't have gone through those difficult phases we yeah. wouldn't be making those right decision decisions right now yeah so um but but um you know there were few things that i would really want to change um if given a chance for sinkets and navy patriots um you know when when the transition phase was happening um kyron was part of part of that transition phase there were a lot of things you know um i think we could have done better um in terms of uh the season in terms of the management you know and i i i i will never run away and say you know we 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 didn't make mistakes yeah. we did make mistakes in how we could have handled the players we could have managed the entire situation with the with the squad with the support staff so that is one thing for me personally i would say you know i would when i sit back and say okay that is one season it, for me means i've always said this for me it's not about finishing last or you know or losing it's about how you lose okay and when that passion uh, is not there from the management side and the players and stuff like that that is when it kind of hurts me so and that year i feel you know me and wenki keep discussing that that is something that we could have you know managed a little bit differently maybe i don't know but that's the only thing for me personally uh so same thing slightly different i look at the covid period 
and I look at one particular instance. Uh, you know, so I still joke with Simon Helmet, who was our head coach at that time, that he's a he's a man to have, have the world record of recovering from COVID the fastest, because in 24 hours he went from being positive to negative, to which we obviously <laughs> knew was a false positive. But you know, in 2020, people were really high, right? So they said, "Hey, listen, you know, this is not going to work." So he still has to produce. Uh, you know, another negative, and but in Australia was not allowing you to test at will. Uh, so unfortunately, we had to like rope in a coach in like literally eighteen hours left, right? To finalize a coach, negotiate the price with him, get a ticket done for him, put him on a flight, work out all those logistics, and it was. I think if uh, the way I look at it, if we had not been able to like pivot that quickly. Right, I think when it came to these the point of when we were at a very crucial stage with ILT Twenty with respect to player acquisition, yeah, where the initial model that uh, VM and I came up with was called as Audra, which is basically a portmanteau of auction and draft, which basically meant that it will be a draft process. But let's say a team wants to pick the player, uh, but some other team is chances in the draft pick order. They pick it. They can call order and and then an auction round starts of a player that is wanted ah, right. by another team, right? So we would then cut out the time wasted on in the auction where people who are not interested, you know, they still have to put their name across and then have to go with the you know because it's not mentally good for a player as well to be like, hey, none of the teams even bid for me, right? And and also it cuts short the time in a draft where you know it is it is a draft is inherently unfair because it is purely by chance right where the player falls in whether you can build a team etc. So we felt we were equalizing that a bit by giving the opportunity to call an order and then say hey, auction. And we went with the model. Teams did not want to try a new model as most teams would not like to try something new. And then suddenly a new competitor emerged and we we had to scramble. And we just decided it was just on a drive. Uh, so Karen will know this. We were just driving from basically Dubai Mall back to Sports City, right from yeah. Business Bay. And me and we have just decided on that. There's like, why are we doing order? Let's just do direct signing. That was it. So we were able to like, uh, you know, come up with the fact that okay, we can do this and then handle that thing. You know, that confidence of saying that we will pivot and whatever happens, we will we are confident enough to face that. And I think, in fact, actually, direct signing worked very well for ILT Twenty. So I would not change that experience. In fact, I would say that that experience has helped from there to here. Right. Nice. The only other question I wanted to ask as well was, where do you see the sort of next um, sort of country to sort of for, from a tournament perspective? Do you see anything out in in potentially sort of like in China or Japan or anything out there? I would say so. There are two things um, in the office also for. For past um, few days, few weeks, I would say I've always said this: the next Afghanistan that has to emerge would be mm. Nepal. You know, the 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 talent that they have is huge. The support from the fans that they have is huge. It's just that they need they need more opportunities on the global stage. Right. It will eventually happen, um, and they will they will start punching harder. I would say. Um, they they are they are a force to reckon with, I would say, and they'll become a group, good cricketing nation soon. But in terms of the franchise side, the privatization of the sport and stuff like that, I would say 
um there are three countries that i that i positively positively look at obviously us is one of them china and saudi uh, china right. i would say because of olympics saudi i would say because of not the news uh, that that's out there but the stuff they want to do with sports um right. and there are very few sports out there that will allow you to capture the indian market the subcontinent market and also look at the west and say hey look we are doing something and if they decide to step in big it will be bigger than us and china right because the government will directly step in and start funding the development of the sport there right yeah yeah so it just started I, happening it just started happening actually i think we heard uh, great reviews about people who did the asian games uh you know recently that happened in china and they've had the same feedback they're like you know if this becomes like a regular olympic sport after 2028 you will see the chinese put a lot of money and they they made a very uh you know poignant observation they said that all of them are native chinese players right they are not they are not from india they are not from pakistan they're making chinese players play so i think they will get used to the uh you know once they get into that frame of thing where they say this is a goal that they want to go after i'm sure that china is something to to reckon with but at the same time i would say the us is not out of the woods yet i would say that um you know along with mlc mlc has done a fantastic first season too yeah uh, and i think uh, mlc also needs to build on that and uh, that would be an interesting thing i think uh the us is is a much closer target maybe like over 10 years i think the us would be in a strong position both from a structure perspective infrastructure perspective from a cricketing perspective the uae has always been strong from an infrastructure perspective uh, i think there are about like some 20 odd turf wickets in uae and they're not even a full member they have three world class stadiums and they are not a uae fan i mean they're not an icc full member so the infrastructure here is brilliant so i see like the next 10 years will be like interesting to see like maybe nepal come up and i just think that cricket needs to uh, you know go away from the you know only having a top 10 or something like that just yeah. expand like fifa has done yeah. that would yeah. allow a lot more lot more fun yeah definitely um just one last question for me guys i'm um, obviously um it's it's an interesting battle between you three today um england and india um england, <laughs> india india tried their best to, to bring england back into the world cup with their performance today mm. and india and england said no we don't want to come back so what are you guys take on um, on the world cup so far obviously india in a strong position to um i guess clinch qualifying today and england obviously jordan um yeah. in a strong position to clinch a I guess a flight back home. Yeah, flight home, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would say, uh, it's not. See, see, I would say it's not from a place of arrogance, um, but I think when I say it's very difficult to beat India in India nowadays, it is somewhat factually correct, and it's not because of what has happened with the national team, but what is happening at the grassroots levels. You know, when you see Sachin Tendulkar era. you would kind of switch off the tv not kind of but you literally switch off the tv when he gets out when we are batting right now it's like okay rohit sharma is out okay we have virat kohli yo oh, virat kohli is out we have kl rahul somebody will step in and somebody will play and the entire mentality shift has happened because of those grassroots level ipl 
and the way people have come into indian cricket and that's why i would say my personal favorite would be india playing in the finals not i don't know if they will lift the cup because it's just one match so yeah. i would say india and maybe australia you know they just keep getting stronger in any icc tournament um when you, if you see now you know australia started very poorly if you see now what they're doing they just keep getting stronger and stronger so i see yeah. we india australia playing the finals this year yeah uh, we have this thing in the office where they, we have all listed who will win the who will win the world cup and i have actually listed australia so i got i got a lot of cop for it even at the start of the tournament and people are uh, australia is going to go home and all that so australia looking good but fingers crossed but i hope that uh, you know it will be a india australia final right and i hope that we can avenge 2003 you know <laughs> uh, that is still a revenge left so the indian may would definitely in india australia final i want india to win you know like rep at the office be damned but you know like uh, i would want india to win but yeah. also quite interestingly i think with this world cup uh, have you guys been following the 2025 uh champions trophy qualification announced yeah, which since, was yeah. quite a surprise yeah, because morning. yeah yeah i mean at the uh, currently as it stands it will be like afghanistan and basically holland i mean netherlands going into the champions trophy at the expense of england and bangladesh and no west indies again that will yeah. be a shocker so, yeah i don't i don't think that will happen um obviously with with england being such a powerful board um i think there there'll be some some um adjustments to that rule somewhere along the line um you can't afford to have certain countries out but as you said rightfully i think that they need to do away with sort of this top 10 thing i mean if it's rightfully a world cup and as fifa has done to expand their game you need to have the best teams playing um and you can have sort of group stages um different groups in different zones whatever um to sort of eliminate yeah. teams quicker but i don't think that it should be sort of just limiting to and or eight teams whatever the case is you know yeah yeah i think even the 2027 is a 14 team world cup and actually i was a bit bit uh, perplexed at the decision that you know even though it's a world cup hosted by uh, you know the by south africa zimbabwe and namibia only south africa and zimbabwe qualify because they are full members yeah. but not namibia Crazy. despite being a host <laughs> right so i think they should have just gotten them given them a chance maybe i don't know i would say who would have thought um, you know 10 15 years back that belgium would be the number one side in fifa you know yeah. but that's what that's what you get when you open you know the boundaries and let the sport flourish you never know china can become the strongest board the biggest you know cricketing nation in the world you just yeah. have let the sport flourish if you see Kenya, Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe—you know these teams were, you know, beating India left, right, center a few years back. You know, it's just gone downhill. Yeah. So hopefully, people running cricket see and say, okay, look, you know, we need to put the sport back where it was and let the sport do its job. And yeah. I think we will we'll have better World Cup and more competitive tournaments. No, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. So is are we all wrapped up because I can just want to say like thank you so much to you both I think it's been so insightful it's been you know I, I've been really enjoyed listening to you both and I've taken so much away from it so thank you so much for your time I really do appreciate it thank, thank you, you thank guys thank you for having us thanks for joining us thank you very much thank you for the pleasure thank you bye see you all soon bye. thanks very much 
thank you for joining us on the Power Play podcast, hosted by Kyron Powell and Jordan Shannon. We hope you enjoyed this immersive dive into the world of cricket and business, exploring the unique experiences and perspectives of players past and present, alongside those invaluable insights into intriguing business themes that transcend beyond the boundaries of sporting heroics. Be sure to set your reminders on your Alexa or Google Home device. Or we won't tell anyone if you still use those paper calendar things from a bygone era. Join us next time for more inspiring dialogue with scintillating minds on the Power Play podcast.